pretty guys. Sometimes it's never good. But the truth of the matter in this game is you take them how they come. Good move by Heineke and out of bounds inside the five. Heineke with protection. Lauren breaks free. Wow, what a pass. Touchdown. Okay, you stuck together. You do things that you needed to do. But there are a lot of things we got to correct, a lot of things we're going to get better at, and that's the truth. What a play. This is the Pound for Pound podcast. Do you ever hope for something to change? And no matter how desperately you want that thing to change for the better, it just continues to disappoint you? Welcome into another episode of the Pound for Pound podcast. I'm your host, LB. Thank you for joining me here today on an interesting episode coming off of what has been a crazy week in terms of Washington football. There have been a slew of things culminating together to create this disastrous storm that will come to a close on Sunday when Washington takes on the Kansas City Chiefs coming off of a loss against the New Orleans Saints in Week 5. In regards to the Saints game, there was another messy game defensively, a game where we see what happens when this offense can't keep up with another team's offense and the defense not being able to get any stops. Once again, we're sitting here doing the same tune that we've done after every loss. The defense doesn't show up, and no matter how hard the offense tries to get a hold of this game, they couldn't. They could not capitalize on some of the mistakes that this New Orleans team we knew was capable of making. And here we are again. Ping pong. We've been ping ponging back and forth this season. Wins and losses, wins and losses. And this week fell on a loss once again. And I was hoping that this was one of the weeks where it bounced our way. And it seemed like it was going to early in this game. Cole Holcomb gets early interception. Maybe swings the momentum for the home team, the good guys. And the offense can only score field goal. Let's get into these keys of the game. It was uh, a game where we could have taken advantage of the opportunities presented to us based off the turnovers and the field position that we were getting, and we could not score any, could not score enough points. This defense once again has holes, has miscommunications, and a bunch of bunch of things wrong with it, and there have been no improvements. The keys of the game, and, and I want to be brief about this game. There's so much I want to talk about in regards to what's been going on in this week. You know, it's been it's been such a distraction this week, and it's been draining trying to keep up with all the stuff that's coming out. Then the investigation, the John Gruden uh, resignation, I or him stepping down, coming at the hands of this investigation from the Washington football team that's been going on for 10 months. And... This Saints game was is honestly way behind us now at this point. It's Friday, Saturday, October 16th. I'm recording this episode right after the practice reports have come out. And we already know who who's going to be in and out for this game against the, the Chiefs. We already know there's going to be the Sean Taylor jersey retirement at halftime during this game. And I definitely want to get into that because... It's so crazy how you can botch one of the most iconic and memorable players that this organization has ever seen botch this this jersey retirement so badly. 
drop the ball. It's just such a disrespect to not only the fans, but Sean Taylor and Sean Taylor's family. Sean Taylor had left legacy on this organization that no other player seemingly has. And, you know, we've always we've been waiting for this retirement, asking when is it going to happen. Nobody has worn 21 since Sean Taylor out of respect. But now it is officially going to happen. His jersey will be retired and no other player in the history of this organization will ever wear 21 ever again. And somehow it doesn't it, do, it doesn't feel how I wanted it to feel. This is supposed to be a moment that many, many Washington fans have looked forward to celebrating not only his his polite his play on the field and his athletic his athletic career, but who he was as a person and a celebration of his life. I want to talk about the keys to the game against the Saints, what I said we needed to do to win, and ultimately why we lost. So offensively, my first key to the game was establish the run game. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to say a no on that one. Offensively, we were, we tried to remain balanced and we gave Antonio Gibson ample opportunities, ample carries to try to establish his run. It's just he couldn't really get anything going. He's been dealing with some injuries. That shin issue that he's saying is not a bothersome. But maybe it just wasn't one of these games where he had any explosive runs. It kind of kept us a little one-dimensional. He had 20 carries, 60 yards, and two touchdowns. Got in got in from, from in the red zone, up close to the goal line. Two touchdowns on the day for Gibson. It's a solid day. It just it wasn't that explosive, dynamic running game that could open up the passing game for us. And we saw it. I'm at the same. It was, it was a no-go on that one. And then Jaden McKissick only had two carries. Jared Patterson, four carries. We tried. We tried to establish his run game, and just it just it was not dynamic enough to force these safeties and these corners and this and these linebackers to play play a little up on the line of scrimmage. The next key of the game offensively I had was spread the ball to other receivers, and unfortunately, once again, this is a, a no go for me. We did not check this off. We were already two man down going into this game with DeAndre Carter having to step into this role as a as the wide receiver too, opposite of Terry McLaurin and Adam Humphreys retaining his typical slot role. We saw what happens when an elite talent corner goes up against Terry McLaurin. We've seen it a couple times this season with James Bradbury, Tredavious White, and now with Marsha- Marshawn Lattimore, who shut it down. I'm not going to say that he shut down McLaurin entirely because there were some McLaurin did get some separation and then Heineke just missed him Threw the ball behind him. Didn't lead his receiver. If you know Heineke makes some better throws, it, we're looking at a stat line for McLaurin that looks a lot better than four catches for 46 yards. Very well could be upwards of seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, but it is what it is. Adam Humphreys, three catches, 73 yards. DeAndre Carter, four catches for 62 yards who Carter this is, who was admirable stepping into this role that was left vacant by Diami Brown and Cam Sims as they did not suit up for this game. I do want to highlight Ricky Seals-Jones in the receiving game who stepped into the starting role as Logan Thomas is on injured reserve at the moment. Ricky Seals-Jones was on the field the whole game, was very much involved, had five catches for 41 yards on nine targets, second only to Terry McLaurin. 
I think he did good stepping into that role. It was, you know, a huge question mark. What would we get from this tight end position considering Logan Thomas was the best guy we had and the depth behind him was very shallow. McKissick had a catch and so did uh, Dax Milne. Dax Milne recorded his first catch of his young career and he had targets and they looked his way a couple times. He was on the field for a couple plays. It just It just didn't. It didn't accumulate too much. He did have the one catch. Once again, this injury report is very long, so this wide receiver group is once again going to be thin, and someone like Dax Milne might need to step up even more, which is a scary sight considering he is only a rookie, late-round rookie, and he's still trying to acclimate himself into an NFL offense. My second key to the game offensively was to protect the football. I was worried about Heineke's ability to hit receivers and throw good balls and we saw what happens when he goes against a very stout defense against the Atlanta Falcons he got away with some throws and I knew he wasn't going to be able to get away with these throws against the Saints the Saints defense who's much better very much a better defense than the Atlanta Falcons especially in the secondary like I said Lattimore was great this game and so were the the other secondary uh, members of the Saints defense they forced Heineke to throw uh, two interceptions, I believe. Let me just double-check that. Yep, Heineke threw two interceptions, and he was sacked twice. He he tried to fit in the ball in some tight windows, and he made some inaccurate throws. Lollipop, some throws in there, rainbow throws, not a lot of not a lot of zip on the throw, and this same secondary made him pay twice. Heineke's gonna need a gonna need to throw him some more anticipation, and that's what's gonna come down to. Heineke's, Heineke cannot, how can, let me, let me figure out how I can word this. He can't try to fail ball, try to throw a rope into a tight window when he doesn't have an arm to throw ropes. He needs to throw with some anticipation and, and give his receivers a chance to go get in the, go get the ball and not throw it behind them. And we saw that many times with McLaurin specifically, he was missing him. He was missing him late, throwing it behind him, not leading him. And 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 he was just looking, looking at his reason and throwing the ball too late. If he throws these balls a second earlier, not even a second, but like half a second earlier, he makes more throws and he doesn't only complete fifty percent of his passes. Heineke went twenty completions on forty-one attempts, fifty percent completion, for only two hundred and forty-eight yards. And in my opinion, it was it was Heineke's. Possibly his worst performance as a starter so far this season. And more more starts like this lead me to believe that he could be benched in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick when Ryan Fitzpatrick is deemed ready to go. It wouldn't be a surprise if Heineke did lose his starting job once Fitzpatrick came back if he can't clean this up. And, you know, this is something that Ron Rivera knows about Heineke. He knows, and this is why he didn't want to commit to Heineke after the playoff game last season. He wanted to bring other other quarterbacks in because he's seen Heineke up close and personal. We're seeing it. We're getting the the Heineke experience, the ups, the downs, and he very much reminds me of a more mobile Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's gonna have these these crazy games and then who's gonna fall back to earth in a hard way. That's over three in the keys offensively. I did I did kind of sprinkle in the start fast at the end of the at the end of the keys offensively last week. Uh, we did start, I would say we started relatively fast. However, 
we only started fast offensively because of the field position that we got based off the interception of Cole, of James Winston by Cole Holcomb, which we are already in Saints territory at that point. And we didn't move the ball offensively to try to score a touchdown, and we had to settle for the field goal only off of the only off the field position. So I don't even want to give us that one. But we, we did score a field goal on the opening drive. I did say we needed to. So I guess I'll give us that one, but it doesn't really count. Um, I, I was, Starfast is always going to be on my list. Defensively, my first key to the game was to not allow any points on the opening drive. And we did we did we do that. We did get the interception on the opening drive defense the, on the defense. I also said we needed to make the tackles and they and to my memory, there wasn't uh missed tackles that cost us necessarily. Um and I could be wrong, but I'll give us the, I'll give us a wash on that one or I'll give us a check mark on that one. And then I said we need to take advantage of the erratic throws of Jameis Winston, and we did with the, with the two interceptions. I mean, not with the two interceptions, with the one interception when the pressure was in Winston's face, and Winston had to get rid of it, and he just threw a a ball that was just it was just stayed in the air too long, and then Cole Holcomb was there underneath it to catch it. We, I, I I don't want to I don't want to say though that it was all perfect defensively. We got all the keys defensively, but we still lost, and this defense had their best showing so far this season but it still led to the saints dropping 30 points we lost this game because our offense could not take advantage of the saints mistakes and although this defense like i said had the best showing of the year they still allowed the saints to drop 30 plus points this defense is just giving up too many points and when this offense can't keep up this is what the result is going to be the defense this is what's bothering me so much the defense continues to have blown coverages these corners and these safeties, there's some miscommunication going on. And there's so there's these broken coverage that are leading to easy touchdowns every week. It's been every week against the Giants. Darius Slane was wide open. Cordell Patterson, wide open. Stephon Diggs, wide open. And then here we are. Another touchdown. I think it was uh Deontay Harris, wide open. On the on the on the play, Landon Collins is is in charge of the deep third. On that play, and he's and he's trying to disguise the coverage, and that's something that we talked about. That you know, the question was what's what's wrong with the defense, and some some rumblings around were that this defense was not disguising their coverage, and they were literally showing everything they were doing, and offenses were picking it apart. And Landis Collins here is trying to disguise what he's covering, but he doesn't bail into the deep third on the play, and the fastest guy on the field, Deontay Harris, blows by him, and it's not even close. Collins is trying to to jog back or like strut back or strafe back to the deep third. But Harris is already running a full sprint and Landon Collins never turns his hip to, to get into that deep third. And you have to know when that guy's on the field, that he's the fastest guy on the field. He is the fastest guy on the field. And Landon Collins doesn't run a four, four Landon Collins is not a four, four guy. He's not the best in coverage. So he needs to go be hustling to get back into that deep third. And he doesn't. And then after the game, Ron Rivera says, and, and this is my problem, is that you're trying to make excuses or not take a- accountability. And this is what I need. And this is what I this is, And this is what I mean by that. Ron Rivera said. Essentially, what he said is, if you keep looking at the bad, we won't progress. If you take away the two plays, a.k.a. the deep touchdown I just talked about, and then the Hail Mary touchdown at halftime. If you take those away, then this defense played good. Well, and my response is that's well is well obviously if you take away those two plays, that's 14 points. Or well, 
well, 12 points because of the missed extra points or whatever. So, but, but essentially two scores, clearly you take those away and we were in a way better position, but you can't take those, you can't take those plays away. Like Ron Rivera saying, oh, just take them away. Like, oh, don't like, if those didn't happen, you know, this defense did play well. They did happen and they continue to happen. He's using it as an excuse, but the secondary, the secondary is giving up this play every single week. It's not changing. And this this cannot fall on Jack Del Rio every week. Jack Del Rio has been the subject of many people's reasoning behind this defense. Uh, how can I say it? Uh, unsucceed or not succeeding? You know, not meeting expectations. But I I I can't see it being on Jack Del Rio when Landon Collins is, you know, five steps, you know, five, ten yards behind. Deontay Harris on a on a coverage play where he's supposed to be the furthest safety on the field and he's not. He's trying to disguise coverage and it just leads to a to an easy touchdown. I I can't take that accountability on on Jack Del Rio. Maybe he's not putting them in the position to succeed, but if we can't play cover three, then I don't know what you want Jack Del Rio to do. You know, these these players have been playing football their entire lives and they can't even play cover three. I want to put this behind us, you know. It's been a rough, rough week. Let's get. I, I, I want to. I want to talk about the Chiefs game first before I talk about all the preliminary stuff and the stuff off the field because that's what I care about. I care about the product on the field and whether or not this team is going to win ball games. I care about football. I don't care about any of these these other stuff that's going on on the field. But we have to talk about it because ultimately. It's all this all is building up to this game on Sunday. And and you know what? I think it may all come crashing down on Sunday. And I hate to say it. This 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 Chiefs team is coming off of a couple of shaky performances. You know, they're sitting right now at two wins and three losses, not where many people expected them to be. Are they underperforming? What's going on? Are they not for real? I think we're I think we're really gonna see the the best of the Chiefs this game. I feel like they're gonna use this as a scapegoat, you know, a way to show the NFL world that they should not be disregarded anymore or disrespected. And look, I want to win just as much as the next guy. I want to see this team succeed, but it's very difficult when there's all this outside noise coming and brewing around the, this this team. And then the expectation and them not meeting expectations is 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 gonna culminate into a disaster, in my opinion. But I do see a glimmer of hope, especially that because this Chiefs team is not looking the best this year. Their defense is just as bad as ours, and it's gonna come down to whose defense can suck the least. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I want to talk about what happened with the Chiefs in their game against the um who did they just play uh, the they the bills uh, two weeks ago and let me see real quick they played uh yeah they played the bills in week five and the the bills took them you know they they won this game soundly Kansas City it wasn't really close Buffalo Bills the Buffalo Bills were clearly the better team this week against Kansas that is and. I'm pretty sure has established themselves as the best team in the AFC, but that's a conversation for another day. Kansas City, on the other hand, like I said, sits at two and three. They're sitting in last place in the AFC West. I mean, who would have thought that Kansas City would be sitting in last place right now? 
I don't I don't think that that means a lot. You know, it's still early. I do not think they're going to be in last a long time. And what better way for them to bounce back from that loss against the Buffalo Bills than come and absolutely manhandle us in FedEx on Sunday at one o'clock. So let's get into my keys to the game against the Chiefs. I have three keys to the game once again offensively, three keys to the game defensively. And these keys are going to help us come out with a good guy's W. First, offensively, I want us to dominate the time of possession. All right. I believe the way to, to stand a fighting chance is going to be is going to be to maintain the ball longer than Kansas City and just hope for the best. Parade for the best. What is what does that mean? It means we're gonna need to hold on to the ball as long as possible. Since our defenses are so bad us being the Chiefs and then our defense respectively. I think it's going to be down, it comes down to who has the ball last. The way we win this game is going to be a shootout. The only way we win is if it's a shootout and if we end up with the ball last. And if we can hold the ball longer than they do, it means we have more chances to score and they have least less chances to score. That's the best way I think we can win this game is if we dominate the time possession. What does that look like? I'm, I'm hoping a 35-minute time possession for us if we can hold the ball for more than 30 35 minutes i think we'll be sitting sitting pretty and this week against the saints we held the ball for 36 minutes i mean it we we did what we needed to maintaining the ball just we could not finish them off we couldn't get these these touchdowns we were settling for field goals and that's not a recipe for success here we are 36 minutes of possession against the saints and we couldn't win we're gonna to need to hold the ball for a similar amount of time, because this can even if we do that, this Kansas City team can definitely score points in in a blink of an eye. So we're gonna to need to hold to, hold onto the ball a lot longer than they do. I'm hoping for 35 plus minutes. If we can do that, we stand a fighting chance. Second second key to the game: do not throw any interceptions. Heineke continues to be loosey goosey with the ball and and trying to. Be the gunslinger he thinks he is, and that's not the recipe for success. Heineke threw interceptions, just like I said he would, against this vaunted Saints secondary. And this Saints secondary is better than Kansas's. Kansas City's defense ranks 31st in yards per game allowed. I mean, their 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 defense is horrific. That and that has a lot to do with how good their offense is. Their offense just continues to score points and putting them out there on the field and forcing teams to score points to keep up with them. So if Washington wants to wants to find a way to win, they're not going to be able to be giving up possessions to interceptions. If our if our drives either end in touchdowns, field goals, or punts, that's how we're going to win. If we're if we're giving up interceptions and fumbles, I guess I guess the the key should be don't have any turnovers. But I'm going to go fo- focus on the interceptions because we haven't really been a team that's been fumbling a lot. You know, we but we've these interceptions are coming in bunches. And against Buffalo, he should have had more interceptions. Against the Falcons, he should have had some picks, but they just couldn't come down with the ball, the defense that is. So the best way to do this is to not throw interceptions and turn over the ball and just give up field position. Last week is an example of what happens when Heineke tries to do too much. I'm gonna need him to to chill out <laughs> with these interceptions. Last key to the game is going to be start faster because we only got a field goal on our first drive and it should have been a touchdown. We got the ball almost at, at midfield. We were already in Saints territory and 
we couldn't get a touchdown. All we had to do was go up 30, 40 yards, and we're in the end zone. But we couldn't move the ball, and we had to settle for a field goal, and we didn't do anything. We didn't even hold the ball to get field to get first downs. We just settled for a field goal. And Kansas is going to put up a lot of points. Kansas City will put up a lot of points, and field goals are not going to cut it. We can't just be, hope to kick our way to a win, especially against this Kansas City offense, which is so dynamic. So we're going to need to score on this first drive of the game because if we don't, we can fall into a hole. If they score on their first possession, field goal, then we go three and out, and they go and score a touchdown on the next possession. We're down two scores in the first quarter. And I don't want to see Heineke having to sling his way back into another shootout. Defensively, my three keys to the game. Do not allow a deep touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Man, these broken coverages are going to be the death of us, especially against this Kansas, these Kansas City receivers. With Tyreek Hill running down the field, spreading this defense, and Kelsey and Travis Kelsey, their tight end, picking us apart down the middle because our safeties are playing so deep. We cannot allow a deep touchdown to Tyreek Hill or McCall Hardman for that for that for that matter. Any of their receivers. We have a lot of broken coverage in every game this season. And Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes will exploit that if we cannot fix it. Tyreek Hill it no one on no one on the field tomorrow is going to be able to keep up with Tyreek Hill. We're gonna have to be smart in our coverages. Have a safety playing over the top, and I'd much ra- rather have them picking us apart down the field methodically having to run the ball and not just be taking these deep shots with Tyree Kill because we see what he is capable of. Every week, we, we see and we focus in on we being like when we're watching Chiefs play, how the, how the broadcast booth just their eye on Tyree Kill the whole game because Tyree Kill is that dynamic. My next key to the game on defense is, I mean, on yeah, on defense is going to be to force him to run the ball. Just like I said, we can't, I, I, don't, look, I don't know about you guys, but I'd much rather see this Kansas City rushing attack led by Daryl Williams beat us than their vaunted passing attack. I'd rather Daryl Williams beat us than Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, their starting running back, their, 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 their second-year running back, is out for this game and because he's on injured reserve. And if we can be stout early in the passing game, we can force Kansas City to run the ball more and avoid these big plays that we all know Kansas City is very capable of. My last key to the game is going to be Ben, don't break. If we can get them to kick field goals instead of touchdowns, we stand a chance. If they're settling for field goals, that means they're not scoring touchdowns. Look, it's going to be a, a rough game. And I already feel this this, this, this snowball effect coming. We just lost a heartbreaker game to the Saints, a game that we very well could have won. All this all this investigation news and all this drama surrounding the, the public relations of this of this organization which led to the, the resignation of John Gruden, which has led to an even to to people even calling out the organ, the investigation because they're not releasing more evidence that could very well put a lot of a lot of important names, a lot of highly respected names in this organization to come crashing down with them. The Sean Taylor botched retirement jersey event. It just continues, it's just rolling, and the snowball is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
my last key to the game is going to be, defensively, is going to be don't suck m- more than they do. Our defenses are horrible. When I say our defenses, we are the Chiefs' defense and Washington's defense are the worst in the league, and it's not even close. I want to read off some of these stats because it's crazy to me. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. All right, here it is. Kansas City ranks 31st yards per game, like I said, 32nd in points per game, and 25th in third down conversion. Washington defense, however, not very not very good either. 27th in yards per game, 31st in points per game, and 31st in third down conversion. These defenses are historically bad, and that's why they, the expectation of this game is going to be a shootout. Whoever, whoever has the ball last is probably going to win this game. And when you look at the Chiefs' offense, their offense is definitely better than our offense, and our defenses are equally worse. So not only is our defense going to have to be stout, but our special teams are going to have to. We're going to have to be good on special teams too. If we can get, how great would it be to get a kick return or punt return touchdown or a blocked field goal? That could very well be the difference in winning and losing this game. I don't expect us to win this game. You know, it's going to be very rough, especially with, with everything that's going on, man. This snowball is going to come and just land on FedEx on Sunday at one o'clock. That's my. That's what I'm thinking. I hope the I hope the good guys can prove me wrong, but you know it's it's just not looking it's just not looking good. Now, my final score prediction of this game. I think Kansas is going to walk away with this win. However, if by some miracle of the football gods we come out with a win, it is going to give me so much false hope for the rest of the season. And this roller coaster just continue to keep going. But hey, I'm going to be here through it, no matter what. My final score prediction is going to be Kansas City, 35, Washington, 24. That's going to be my score prediction. We're going to lose by 11 points. That's what I'm thinking. I, th- I think it's just going to be too much for us to overcome. If we can rally together get, and get this win, by, by any means, I will take it. Because we're going to need it. You know, we, we have the tough part of our schedule coming up and then the bye week. If we can, just, if we can make it to that... To the end of the season, that that five week stretch at the end of the year where we only play division opponents at a five hundred or as close to five hundred record as possible, anything can happen. Anything can happen, especially with those five games. Dallas looks really good. You know they're they're leading the division right now. The Giants, you know, are what they are. Up and down team. But like I said, they're they're thinking the same thing. Anything can happen. They're thinking the exact same thing I'm thinking. The Eagles' offense does not look good. Um, Jalen Hurts is all over the place. So it's not the end of the world, but it it's we're, our season right now is on life support. You know, it, we have a pulse, but it's a very faint, faint pulse. Losing this game and then going to Lambeau, it, it could very much pull the plug. It could very well pull the plug on our season. So. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be it in terms of the keys to the game and what I expect of this game. I don't I'm not gonna do a player to watch because we already know the players to watch for Kansas City. I want to get into the injury report for this game, and I knew and I knew it was gonna be rough. You know, once again, we have players key players out of this game, 
And we also have some players that are questionable that are huge, even more important than the players that are already named out. Already confirmed out for Washington is Sam Cosme, starting right tackle, rookie tackle. He's going to miss this game. Depth linebacker, Jared Norris. Starting right guard, Brandon Sheriff. We already knew that one. And Cam Sims. Cam Sims will be out for this second straight week. Oh, and uh, Curtis Samuel, who once again re-aggravated the groin and looks to be out for this game as well. Going into our questionable our questionable designations are four key, key players. Well, three key players and a depth player. Questionably is going to be Diami Brown, who did not play last week. Be huge if we can get him back. Antonio Gibson is questionable. Who's he's logged limited practices on Thursday and Friday. I would expect I would expect him to go. And surprisingly, Terry McLaurin, who was not on the injury report Wednesday or Thursday, but then on Friday did not practice as he was working on the side field with trainers, and that scares the life out of me. He is expected to play, but if Terry McLaurin, for whatever reason, you know, knock on wood, does not cannot go through the entire game. Goodbye passing passing off attack because there is nobody else that I can confidently rely on in terms of receivers that can replace the production that Terry can give us. He's irreplaceable. So he's listed as questionable. As of right now, it seems like he's going to be good to go. But if for whatever reason he's a game time decision and they don't let and they, he doesn't suit up, there's no way we win this game. If Terry McLaurin doesn't play, there's no way we win this game. I would put our chances at zero. If Diami Brown, Terry McLaurin can suit up, that was going to be that's going to be a sigh of relief. Excuse me, sorry about that. Going to the oh, and the last questionable player, sorry before I forget him, is Sammy Reyes, who was active for the first time this season last week. As the third string tight end, he didn't get any any run in only on special teams, but he will carry a designation tag, a questionable tag, heading into Sunday. For Kansas City, they're going to be out with without three players confirmed. Those three players being uh, backup tight end Blake Bell, cornerback uh, Charavius Ward, and defensive end Chris Jones, who is key. This Kansas City defense desperately needs him back. And if he can't play, and the fact that he's not playing this game is just another huge, huge win for Washington. You never want to see a player hurt, but he's not playing against us, which is great because Chris Jones is dominant. They have three players carrying a questionable tag. Those three players being starting guard Joe Tooney, uh, starting line, well, he's, yeah, starting linebacker Anthony Hitchens, and uh, wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is expected to play. Uh, they've been, you know, just resting him, and he did log a limited practice in, so I expect him to play. And then Anthony Hitchens and Joe Tooney, I also expect them to play who, after they logged full participation on Friday. I expect them to 100% be ready to go. So the only, the only, I would say, important names on Kansas City that are are missing is Chris Jones and uh, Travis Ward. You know, that's just another another depth corner that they're gonna have to play, and they're gonna be out without their best. Uh, defensive lineman and one of the best linemen in the league in Chris Jones. So that's going to do it for the injury report. And then uh, now what I want to get into is this. I want to get into the Sean Taylor 
Deshaun Taylor jersey retirement fiasco. This, like I was saying earlier, was is one of the most memorable moments that should be happening for this organization in a very long time. There are only three players, including Sean Taylor now, that have their jersey numbers retired uh, by Washington. Those those other two players being Sammy Baugh and Brian Mitchell. Not Brian Mitchell, I'm sorry, Bobby Mitchell. Those are the only two other players that are getting their that have their number retired by Washington, and Sean Taylor is going to be joining them. And it's, you know, it's great news. You know, it's supposed to be this monumental event. He represented so much and so much potential for this for this organization that it was so sad to see him go so early. Two-time Pro Bowler, one of the best young safeties that we that we saw play this game, and it's unfortunate that he. That he was murdered, you know, in 2007. And he's going, now he's going to get his jersey rightfully retired, which should have happened a while ago. But this is what this is the problem that we're running into as a fan base. Is that they gave us a three-day notice. Three-day notice. And there's so much wrong with that. That it's just so hard to even put into words. Like, how can you botch one of the most iconic players... How could you how could you botch it? And you know, they try to say that they left that they've been planning it for for weeks or whatever, or for months, or however long they've been planning it. But it's like, come on, like this should have been announced before the season even started. You know? And I feel like and, and, and it's so obvious that this is just trying to cover up this what's inevitable. This investigation is going to call for heads. It already called for John Gruden's head. It's threatened Adam Schefter's uh reputation as a journalist it's threatened the bruce allen to ever you know enter a nfl office front office again which you know so help me god he never answers one again please but it's just so much going on the nfl's top lawyer i don't even remember his name is threatening so many people and this investigation has just been this whirlwind of just information that is just it's hard to you know take all in and that's why i want to focus on what's going on on the field but for them to just try to use Sean Taylor's name to cover up what is going on on the outside of this organization is it's so disappointing. It is so disappointing. It, I can't even it's so hard for me to even fathom how they could do that. When when these these infamous players get their jerseys retired, they are there is an, an announcement weeks 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 months months in advance. And they and they just botched it horrifically. It was so bad that team president Jason Wright had to come out and make a statement. And it's this is what the, the quote says. He says, "We plan to do this right, but we screwed up the execution, and as a result, we realized that we hurt many of our fans deeply. And for that, I and we as an organization are sorry." We didn't realize that so many of you wanted to make a trip to FedEx Field to be present for this moment. A true lack of understanding of what you, the lifeblood of this franchise, need to mourn our collective loss and celebrate Sean's legacy. I mean, he knows that he knows that they messed this up. And it's horrible that they're using Sean Taylor's name to try and cover up trying to cover this up. I'm I'm just so disappointed, like I'm so disappointed in this organization. I'm disappointed to be a fan. I'm disappointed for Sean Taylor's family, wh whose own brother. Uh, I don't know if anyone listens to uh, 106.7 The Fan, but.
but on the Grant and Danny show, uh, Sean Taylor's brother, uh, he plays football at Rice University, said that he didn't know about this. That they were gonna retire his brother's jersey until a few, you know, a few days ago, like a week or two ago, and they said they were planning it for months to have alumni come out, and then Sean Sean Clark um, uh, comes out and says that. He was invited weeks ago, and it's and it's like I, I don't believe that for a second. I seriously do not believe that for a second. And it's horrible how James Wright, Jason Wright says we didn't realize that many of you wanted to make the trip to FedEx. Are you serious? People want to see, wanted to see this for years, and they chose to do it on one of the one of the most horrible, like on the most like unthought out week ever. Like, this is not the right time to do this. If they would have announced this weeks ago, in the beginning of the season, we were, hey, you know, we're going to retire Sean, Sean Taylor's jersey week this, this, uh, this time and this time, you know, people would have shown out. But I want to bring up something that I thought was very interesting. And it's the fact that this, that this, that when we play Kansas City, the attendance at these games are is not that good, you know. We play Kansas City a couple times already, and then the fans are just, you know, it's just, nobody's there. Kansas City is a, a great or- run organization. They're a great team, but their fan base is not that large outside of Kansas City, Missouri. And the attendance ratings at, what, at, at these games when we play Kansas City are so low. And we're already sitting at one, as one of the worst teams in attendance. Uh, add on top of that, the most likely outcome being a Kansas City slaughter of our team. I I I, I don't want to I don't want this to come out to be a, a effort to just get fans in the seats. And then on top of this, they're throwing they're making the players wear the throwback jerseys which is it's like come on man, they they're really just trying to do everything they can to sell tickets because the stadium's going to be empty. Like, who wants to go watch us get absolutely slaughtered by Kansas City in week six, you know? Patrick Mahomes can draw names into the seats, but it's like, I personally wouldn't want to go see that. You know what I mean? And now they're just going to try to use Sean Taylor's name to try to get seats in the seats in their stadium. It's just, and this is why we continue to be the laughing stock of the NFL. And what I was saying earlier in the podcast, you know, you want you want someone to change. You want something to change for the better. And no, no matter how much you believe in it, it just they always seem to disappoint you. I've been applauding Jason Wright and Julie Donaldson's, you know, handling of the name change. You know, and I know that they already know what the team name is going to be, but they've been you know stirring it up to in the media and trying to get you know trying to get people behind it and trying to make it seem like this it's this interactive like. We want your opinion. We want the opinion of the fans. We care about the fans. This is the new culture of the Washington football team. Washington football, they're trying to rebrand us as an organization. And they've been doing an excellent job about that. I, kudos to them. But this is the first real mess up that I've seen. And and this just takes away from what's going on on the field. I want this podcast to be about what's going on on the field. But when there's stuff like this going on on off the field, it's so hard to like even try to figure out what, where we go from here, you know. We'll see what happens to them. I'm LB Lucas. Once again, episode six of the Pound for Pound podcast. It's coming out a little late Saturday night, but it is what it is. If you made it through the whole 
whole episode. Thank you so much. Follow follow the podcast on Spotify. You can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can follow it on Anchor.com. You can support my podcast on Anchor.com as well. Follow me on Twitter at the P4P Podcast. Hit me hit me up if you if you want to um, if you want to talk. We can if you have any questions I can answer on this podcast. Hit me up. If you know me personally, you know I'm all ears. I can talk Washington football all day. So I'm gonna leave it at that. You know. It was, it, was, it was a rougher episode to make this week, you know. Everything has been going on. I just want to focus on what's going on on the field. And it's hard enough when we're not playing well. It's hard enough when we're not winning games for me to sit on here and, and break this down. But when there's even more stuff going on outside noise, it just makes it that much harder. That's going to do it for me. Thank you guys once again. I'll see you all next week on the next episode of the Pound for Pound podcast. Hey, maybe we'll be talking about a win. Maybe we'll be talking about a loss, but I'll be here. And that's what it's all about. Have a nice day and be safe. It's never pretty, guys. Sometimes it's never good. But the truth of the matter in this game is you take them how they come. Good move by Heineke and out of bounds inside the five. Heineke with protection. Lauren breaks free. Wow, what a pass. Touchdown. Okay, you stuck together. You do things that you needed to do. But there are a lot of things we got to correct, a lot of things we're going to get better at, and that's the truth. What a play. This is the Pound for Pound podcast.